We welcome you to the ADHD Smarter Parenting Podcast. Here to heal and elevate lives is your parenting coach, Kimber Peterson. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Smarter Parenting Podcast. Today, we are talking about the effectiveness of role-playing with your ADHD child. Now, using role-plays is a highly effective way of teaching any skill to a child or to another person in general. Role-playing really allows them to practice the behavior and to feel kind of that muscle memory of going through and doing that behavior over and over again. As you can imagine, this is highly effective with our ADHD kids, especially when we are getting really active with our role-plays. So on our Smarter Parenting website, if you go to smarterparenting.com, we teach a whole class on role-playing and give tools and resources that go along with that role-playing video that we share. Now in that, the steps to role-playing are step one, practice at a neutral, calm time. Step two, show your child how to do it correctly. Step three, have your child practice at least three times. Step four, be flexible. Step five, make it playful. And step six, keep practicing. And we break down all of our skills into some simple steps so that they feel attainable and bite-sized for you. And that's exactly what we're doing when we do a role play with a child. We're making it attainable and bite-sized for them. So when I am working with a family and we are kind of going over some of the ADHD behaviors that their child might have, we can practice together what role-playing really looks like and how role-playing pertains to their individual circumstances. But for this podcast, I'm going to use an example family. So I was meeting with the Thompson family and they have twin boys. And these twin boys are busy, (laughs) to say the least. Both of these boys are really athletic and engaged in their community and in their school. But together, they struggle with kind of that physical touch, those kinds of interactions with one another where they are roughhousing or things get really out of hand because they are touching or tapping or bumping or those kinds of things that physically just stimulate them, but at the same time can lead to really rowdy or roughhousing behaviors that are frustrating to the family. So as I was talking with their father, he was going through and explaining some of the details of what he sees and what they practice doing instead. And as we walked through the steps of role-playing, one fast thing that came up was that they were trying to practice when the boys were already rowdy and roughhousing. Now, the first step to an effective role-play is to practice at a neutral and calm time. So as much as parents want to address the behaviors when they're going on and and can absolutely address behaviors as they're going on, the real foundation to change or getting started is by talking about the behavior when it's not happening, when it is calm and it is neutral. So at a time where they were not on their way to a football practice or really busy and active in what they were doing, they chose a calm and neutral time to practice when the boys weren't roughhousing or being really rowdy or touchy with one another. That gave them the opportunity to move into step two. So step one was to practice at a neutral and calm time. Step two was to show them how to do it correctly. This was fun because the parents were able to get engaged and these boys are older. They're they're 13 years old. This was fun because their family, they had their mom and their dad both available for this practice. And so they did some role reversal role plays, which made it fun and humorous. And the family got engaged and laughing about the practice. And laughter is always a great conduit for learning. 
So show your child how to do it correctly. So the parents role-played and they practiced being the twins and they went through their day-to-day activities and they talked about leaving a healthy amount of space and a good boundary around one another so that they weren't physically touching and getting too rowdy. And then they talked about times where they could get rowdy and really physical. Football practice, yes, they were tackling and they were physical and that was okay there. You know, outside on the trampoline and those kinds of things, the family was comfortable with all of that. But they wanted to teach, you know, in the house or in a normal social environment. They wanted the norm to be that the boys weren't roughhousing and getting really rowdy. So they showed those appropriate boundaries and and walked through the house or did different tasks next to one another without tackling one another. (laughs) So step three is to have your child practice at least three times. So after the parents demonstrated it and showed how it was done and talked about the different environments that they could interact in different ways, they gave the boys a chance to practice. So these 13-year-old boys went through and they did their portion of the role play where they went through and they acted out their day-to-day activities and the times and places where they could be physically rowdy and the times and places where they could not. Step four was to be flexible. The kids in this role play got a little bit too goofy. And so the parents laughed about it, but didn't cancel it and stop what they were doing. Instead, they pulled things back into order and reminded them, we're practicing ways that we should behave in appropriate context. Step five, make it playful. The context and the environment where they did this practice was playful. They had fun. They laughed with one another. The role play was engaging and everybody was involved. And step six is to keep practicing. So once the parents finished this Saturday night practice, they needed to do it more and again and again and again. And doing this repetitive practice was really what made it so that they could start to lay that foundation of expectation and get their boys to a place of being able to navigate and differentiate when they should and should not act certain ways. Now, role-playing is really, really helpful, especially when we're working with other partners or our community or our village in raising our kids. A lot of families that have an ADHD child often have other resources or people involved, whether that is school teachers or resource leaders or IEP conductors. It could also be therapists or behavioral and analysts or even a medical doctor, right? Some of our ADHD families uh, choose to use medical interventions and, and the doctor and understanding where the family is coming from, what they're focused on, what they're doing, and how that's working for them can be really helpful in their interactions with the doctor as well. So consider Considering how you can use role plays with your whole community is really important. A lot of times with ADHD, we'll see that kids have certain patterns of behaviors. So sometimes they act a certain way in school in a different way at home. Or sometimes, for most cases, they will be in a lot more control in the beginning of the day or at certain times of day and lose more control at the end of the day or, um, you know, long after a meal or other patterns in their behavior. And, And as a parent, you're often the first to identify and see some of these patterns. As you do that, different people that are interacting and engaging in their life at different points in time don't always see that full picture. So for example, I might have a child where I need to work with him carefully, but he is fully capable of going through and executing long tasks or chores or lists of things that he needs to do before going out and playing with his friends. And I see that because on Saturdays and on Sundays, that's the way that we interact with one another. However, the teacher is telling me that he just really cannot stay on task for any portion of the day and really struggles with different components of what he's doing in the classroom. 
for me as the parent, that's confusing and a little bit frustrating because I know that he's capable of it. I see him do it on Saturdays. I also know that it takes more time and attention than a teacher can give to a class full of students. And so trying to navigate those differences and how we can work with one another can be really challenging. And here's where role plays come into play. One of the greatest communication bridges that we can build between different caregivers is by role-playing with our children and really establishing those expectations with one another. So what I would do for this scenario is I would, with my child, go to school, maybe a little bit early that morning so that the teacher can give us her undivided attention. Then while at the school and with the teacher, we would go through and we would use the six steps of role-playing to practice some of the expectations that we have at home and help communicate over the differences that we're seeing in different environments. This allows our child to do a couple of things. It allows them to demonstrate for the teacher what they're capable of and for the parent to be able to communicate that as well. It also makes it so that the child sees that the parent and the teacher are on the same page. So just because I can do it on Saturday doesn't mean that I should be able to slack off and not do it at school all week. So instead, I'm expected and held to the same standard every day. And that consistency is really, really helpful for ADHD behaviors. So let's go through what that practice would look like. I have myself as the parent, my child is there, and the teacher is there as well. So with all three of us together, we would practice at a neutral time. So maybe we came to school 15 minutes early so that there wasn't the chaos of all the students coming in and I wasn't trying to cram it into their day. And my child knew ahead of time that we were going to school a little bit early. Then step two, show your child how to do it correctly. I would explain in words and through demonstration what my child is expected to do and what they're capable of doing. So at home, we expect that he does his homework, his chores, and makes his bed before he goes out and plays with friends. So he's able to complete all three of those things before moving on to do something fun. Now at school, what that would look like is you would be able to complete your homework, keep your backpack put away correctly and organized, and only talk at socially appropriate times when your teacher allows for it before going out to recess that day. And so we would go through and kind of explain those similarities and those differences, and then we would practice it and demonstrate it. Step three would have the child practice. So I want you to show me what your organized desk looks like. I want you to show me or tell me, you know, different times that are appropriate to talk and not talk in the classroom. Give your child that opportunity to practice what you just laid out as the expectation. Being flexible, understanding that it might be a little bit frustrating or embarrassing to do this with the teacher present and trying to make that as comfortable as possible. Step five, make it playful. If you can have fun, then have fun. Do it. Incorporate it in however is possible. So your teacher might have different reinforcers or trinkets, or maybe the teacher does a role play and plays out being the child. And the child gets to be the teacher for a minute. Then step six is to keep practicing. Now that I've done it with the two of them so that all three of us are on the same page, giving them the opportunity to continue practicing it and asking the teacher to please try incorporating more practices to help establish her expectations in order to make a difference in his class day would be really effective. I can also keep practicing at home. Maybe we schedule another time to come back to the school. Or on a Saturday, instead of just being at home, we practice pretending we're at school and laying out the practice like that. Or going over to the school grounds and practicing it out on the playground if that's allowed. Doing these different things to help your child learn and grow and expand their understanding and generalize some of their behaviors from at home to at school can be really effective. Parenting an ADHD child can be really exhausting and frustrating, and we understand that. It also can be so, so fun. Our kids that have ADHD tend to bring out the playfulness in us, and so use that 
to your strength and try to make these role plays fun and tactile and engaging. You could also try practicing or role-playing while you're doing physical things like dribbling a basketball back and forth or rolling a ball back and forth. Sometimes with our ADHD kids, their brains are more engaged when their hands are busy. And so finding something where the two of you can do it together or pass it back and forth while you're talking is going to help establish and maintain that connection with your child instead of just talking at them or trying to get them to maintain their focus or their eye contact with you, where they're really just mentally fighting with themselves in their head and they're not absorbed what you're teaching. Instead, use some of that ADHD to help encourage them and build them up by incorporating basketballs or soccer balls or whatever is going to be helpful into your practices. I hope that these role plays go well for you and we look forward to hearing some of your feedback about how it's gone in your family. We love to share some of these success stories on our social media so please reach out to us on our Instagram at Smarter Parenting and we'd be happy to share how this is going for you. Have a great week. 